You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, Episode 78. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week in our Your Stock Our Take segment, we take a look at Hamilton Thorne Limited, symbol HTL on the TSX Venture, which provides precision instruments, consumables, software, and services to the assisted reproductive technologies and development biology research markets. The company has performed well over the past three years, growing revenues from the $10 million range to over $30 million annualized. The stock is, though, flat to slightly negative over the, over the past 52 weeks. And a listener asks us our take on the current valuation multiples for the stock. Is it a buy, sell, or hold? We'll let you know. Our star of the week is the Alkaline Water Co. Inc., symbol WTER on the TSX Venture, which produces premium bottled water and drinking water products. The, the stock is up 43% over the past week after announcing they had partnered with Centurion Foods to expand its CBD-infused product portfolio. Finally, our dog of the week is Eastwood Biomedical Canada Limited, or Inc., symbol EMB on the TSX Venture, which markets and distributes natural health products in North America and Asia. The stock is off 10% in the last week and 50% on the year. Is the drop an opportunity or a sign of things to come? We will discuss. I'd like to welcome back my two co-hosts now, Brennan and Aaron. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Doing well, Ryan. How are you today? Doing very well. Busy. Uh, back to school. Kids are back to school. So uh, crazy time out there for any uh, parents, I'm sure. Uh, but, but a fun time. We get some time to ourselves for a moment, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I bet you guys are looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, well, just more work. But uh, I wanted to reference a, a quick talking point here, a Bloomberg article that I recently tweeted out. Um, it was entitled, The Choice Isn't Between Capitalism or Socialism. Um, I, I sent that uh, the article to both you two guys. Uh, what were any thoughts on the article there? Well, and I, I mean, I, we've talked about this quite a bit. I, I've, I've actually so just just to give an idea of what we're looking at. So there is in, in this article, there's a survey. Um, they surveyed uh, people in the United States asking by age group, asking whether or not they preferred capitalism or socialism. And it looked like almost 40 percent of um, respondents between the ages of 18 and 29 um, preferred socialism. Um, so that's that's a lot higher than than some people. Yeah, they had a favorable it. opinion of favorable socialism opinion. versus Absolutely. yeah, and then I, I, I've seen whereas other surveys say that, as well that actually put the number higher. I was looking at uh, at a survey that was um, in an article on the Guardian um, that said just four out of ten Americans had a favorable view 
of of socialism. But of course, you always have to be very cautious whenever you're looking at one of these polls because to really trust that you you have to dig deep into how um, the survey was conducted, like what question was actually asked and and how they're finding their respondents and whether or not it's, it's done scientifically. Because of course, if you want a poll to um, create a certain result, um, you can just go to some socialist rally and, and ask people there and you're, you'll be able to skew the result. Um, but one thing, Ryan, I know that we've talked about a lot is that it, it I, I'm often some kind, sometimes annoyed by the whole term socialism because I really think that it's a completely meaningless term. Um, there's no real standard definition as to what it is. It means different things to different people. So to some people, socialism is just uh, uh, modified capitalism like you would find in, in the Scandinavian countries, whereas to other people, socialism is essentially full-on communism or, or something very close, um, just another name for communism. So the term socialism itself, I find to be very unreliable and, and you know, it, it just, it, it can mean almost anything. Yeah, and, and, and this this exact article references this study and it, it, it says, is there a fading memory? And you look at the favorable opinion of capitalism between 18 to 29, uh, you look at 36% of that uh, age group is has a favorable opinion on socialism. You look at 30 to 44 age group, 26%, then it ratchets down 45 to 64, go 24. And then you go to 65 plus and they have a 15% uh, approval or a favorable opinion of socialism. Uh, you know, is there a fading memory of how, you know, socialism was employed uh, historically and how it failed in, in these communist countries? And now, you know, you have this, these 18 to 29 year olds who, they, they uh, you know, no if you look because at because communism was basically done before they were born. Yes, of course. So, you know, you know. You, socialism, when you read it in a textbook, can look attractive to people, but in practice, given human nature, is it is it a system that is even viable? Well, when you have a fading memory, and we don't, you know, you don't even have a memory of these type of events, and you only have memories or socialism actually being employed, and you can see why they could be enamored with that type of philosophy, but. You know, Bernie Sanders, who ran uh, for presidency in 2016 in in the U.S., describes himself as a socialist. And and he will often reference the Nordic countries as, you know, being a great example of how socialism works. But, um, I mean, if you look at those countries, they generally, I mean, there's been tons of studies done. You generally have fewer capital controls and trade barriers than the U.S. Yeah, they're not, they also they're not score, really socialist countries. No, they're, no, they're, they're, I mean, they score Denmark, Scandinavian countries, Sweden. Um, these are not what I would consider socialist countries. They're described often as social democracies where they're capitalist countries where there is uh, some... Uh, more redistribution of wealth to to reduce the disparity between the rich and the poor more so than the United States. But that to me is a very, an extremely light form of socialism relative to some of the, the, um, the harder forms of socialism that resemble communism. Yeah, light for, light for sure. And they also score very highly on index of, of property rights and business freedoms. Like the, as far as I understand it, one of the essential characteristics of socialism is the de- denial of individual property rights. Like under socialism, the right to property, 
um, is vested in society as a whole, basically, right? So, I mean, I'm sure you'll have got some countries, people that will say, "Oh, you've got it wrong." But once again, socialism means yeah, yeah, different things to different people. It's not, it's not a cohesive ideology in in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, well, I was just gonna say, you know, I, you know, being someone that does fall in this demographic of uh, between 18 and 29, oh, no. I would agree that, yeah, I know, no doubt, <laughs> eh? uh, but I would agree that, uh, you know, there's almost a skewed view of socialism now where it is, uh, you know, kind of viewed with the the Scandinavian countries, um, and I'd agree with Aaron, like this isn't technically socialism, um, but definitely, I mean, I do agree with these uh, these polling systems here. The younger generations are, you know, kind of understanding, I guess I would say, the pitfalls of capitalism. You know, maybe it isn't the only way, uh, and maybe you know there is a better way, and you know, there's never going to be a perfect system ever. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, balancing the pros and cons. Um, but yeah, again, I do think that, uh, the younger generations, uh, you know, we, we don't really truly understand what socialism is. Um, you know, we're, we're quite young, so we don't really understand the, uh, the, the capitalism or sorry, the communist scare, uh, you know, back like McCarthyism and, and whatnot. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's uh, yeah, and I mean it's it's until you have an, a, a ton of skin in the game, until you own property, it's easy to see giving it up. So I mean, when when you pay taxes for ten to thirty years, not you, Brennan, but just <laughs> generally speaking, um, that, then maybe we'll see how you feel about um, that type of uh, system. One right? last because point. I, yeah, sorry, I'll let you finish there, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, just um, that's I, I'm finished. Okay. It, so know, I, I don't want to get too much into it. About, uh, about the Scandinavian countries, just doing a little bit of quick research. And the reality is, is that um, uh, typically socialists or people that subscribe to a socialist mentality um, in North America look to um, increasing the corporate tax rate as as part of the solution, like increase uh, taxes on corporations and then funnel some of that money down to people that, that they think need it. But the reality is, if you look at the corporate tax rates globally by country, Scandinavian countries actually have relatively low corporate tax rates. So I'm looking at a report right now. It's available online um, from KPMG, um, corporate tax rates by country. And I'm looking at Denmark here. So Denmark has a corporate tax rate of uh, 22%. And if I go down to Sweden, just give me a moment here, Sweden is 21.4%. So that's actually lower than it is um, in, in Canada, which is about 26%. And it's um, significantly lower than the, than the global average. Um, now, where taxes are actually higher in those countries is their, their VAT or their sales taxes. So in Canada, our VAT would be essentially the GST. It's about, it's 5% federally. And then of course, you know, the provinces can tack on to that. But if you look at the Scandinavian countries like Sweden and Denmark, they both have sales taxes of 25%, basically right across mm -hmm. the board. So very high sales taxes. And it's, it's interesting to me that, that um, people who subscribe to being socialists in North America um, to identify as that and then point to the Scandinavian countries, typically their solution is increase corporate taxes. Um, and generally they don't like sales taxes because they think that's a tax on the poor. Um, whereas you see the Scandinavian countries are actually seemingly doing the exact opposite. High sales yeah, taxes, no, it's, low it's, corporate it's, taxes. It's, it's, 
it's it's incredibly interesting to look at it from that perspective without a doubt and i mean you you want to look at one country norway is held up often too as a, a reference by proponents of socialism uh, a way to run a company or a, a country fiscally uh, i mean this is a country that nationalized its oil sector and the government has balanced its books on the back of oil and selling arms so i would say those two means to the end of a prosperous society conflict with many uh proclaimed socialist views on what is good for the society as a collective or a whole so i think maybe doing looking a little more into you know the way the countries have economically financed uh their socialist aspirations is a good way to look at it rather than just saying you know let's tax corporations more uh i i think it would and and but i mean to aaron's point um yeah i mean that i don't think the solution is and i don't even i don't mind vat taxes like i i would rather have pay less income tax and have less tax on corporations because i think that that yeah, focusing more on a vat on a sales Consumption tax, tax and less on an yeah. income tax, it encourages people to earn and to invest and to save um, yeah. and discourages them from consumption more um, as yeah. opposed to doing it the opposite. And uh, so I actually, I, I think that that is probably, they, 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 they have a good system there. Um, just Norway, once again, I just looked at their numbers here. So 22% corporate tax rate, relatively low um, and sales mm-hmm. tax between 10 and 25%, depending on the product. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's an interesting topic. Maybe we'll get into it more on future shows. Is there something else you wanted to bring up, Aaron, or are we just going to get into the show? Let's just get into the show. Let's do that. Okay, it's our Your Stock, Our Take. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. And I'm going to go back to Aaron. It's on Hamilton Thorne Limited, HTL on the TSX Venture. Can you take that one? Absolutely. So Hamilton Thorne, uh, it's trading right now at a price of just over a dollar, has a market capitalization of just under $130 million. So what the company does is it's engaged in providing precision instruments, consumables, software, and services um, that reduce cost and increase productivity and results um, in the assisted reproductive technologies and developmental biology research markets. So this is a company whose customer base consists of fertility clinics, university research centers, animal breeding facilities, uh, pharmaceutical companies, and biotechnology companies. So the company has um, fluctuated, the share price has fluctuated between 85 cents and $1.25 about over the last 12 months. That's down about 10% over the last year here. They did announce a acquisition in August. On August the 13th, the company acquired a company called Planer Limited. Uh, they say that this acquisition significantly expands our product op- offerings in incubation, um, cryopreservation, and lab monitoring. And it also provides a direct sales and support platform for their entire portfolio in the United Kingdom. So the consideration for this um, for this acquisition was seven point three million in cash, um, and uh, one point two million uh, in in issued shares. Uh, so the company's revenues have increased year over year. However, profitability is is quite fluctuative. Just taking a look at the recent quarterly results, revenue in the second quarter of 2019 was eight million dollars. That's a ten percent increase uh, compared to the same period last year. 
Net income uh, grew to just over 100,000 for the second quarter compared to a loss of 133,000 in the same period last year. And adjusted EBITDA was 1.6 million compared to 1.5 million last year. So basically, basically flat. Revenue has been positively impacted by the acquisitions, by acquisitions in 2019. Um, and of course, we are seeing some profitability, but it's, it's very slight right now. On a valuation basis, because there aren't a lot of earnings, the company is trading at over 40 times on a price-to-earnings basis, so that's quite expensive. Um, on an enterprise value to EBITDA basis, 15 times, um, fairly expensive as well, given the, the lack of profitability and the size of the company. It does have a strong balance sheet with $3.3 million in net cash, so that is a, a positive. But just as an overall, as an overall uh, assessment of the company, I... I, I like the space without knowing a lot about the fertility space. I like that space because I think that there's a trend there with uh, people generally trying to have children um, older. Uh, a lot of people are needing this this type of service. But looking at the company financially, I don't really see a lot to invest in right now. Positive revenue growth is is certainly good. Um, we like to see the the cash rich balance sheet, but it just doesn't have the consistent profitabilities. I mean, a hundred thousand in in net profit for the quarter is uh, is just really not enough profitability to get us interested. So this is something that we will keep an eye on with the new acquisition over the next couple of quarters. There could be some changes, but unless the company actually starts improving that profitability and offers uh, the stock can be purchased at a reasonable valuation, I would say definitely at less than 20 times earnings. Um, until that time, we wouldn't be interested in, uh, in the company as an investment. Yeah, and, and we've met with management uh, at a couple conferences. I think it's a well-run business. And you know, if you look back three years where they've grown revenues from $10 million to over $30 million annualized now, uh, it's a good success story. Now, on an e on a current valuation, we look at it where they are in the market right now. Aaron, like Aaron said, uh, enterprise valued EBITDA trailing basis is over 15. I think revenue growth rate is around 10%. We'd like to see it be growing EBITDA and growing revenue at above, you know, you know 15 to 20% to to kind of justify that valuation. I think, you know, like we said it's a good business. I think, you know, it's probably trading around close to fair value, maybe a little bit above. Uh, we'll continue to mar monitor it. I think they've been uh, good at acquiring businesses, so they should be able to continue to grow the business, but is it trading at a reasonable price right now? Well, we've been looking at it in this range for the past year. It's down slightly. Uh, we would have expected that over a year period because we thought it was you know, trading at fair value to slightly above a year ago, and it's just... If it tracks down to some lower levels and continues to grow and maybe uptick growth to 20% in that range, then we might take a look at it. But uh, it's one we're monitoring. We just think it offers fair value right now relative to you know trading at an undervalued level. Okay. I'm going to look at our, our, our Brennan, sorry, is going to look at our weekly star. From our stars and dogs segment, it's time for this week's star. 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 That is the Alkaline Water Co. Inc., symbol WTER in the TSX Venture. Brennan, you can take that one. Thanks, Ryan. Okay, so the Alkaline Water Co. Inc., WTER on the TSX Venture Exchange. Uh, current price right now, $2.66, and has a market cap of around $69 million. 
So the stock was up around 43% last week after some positive news, which I will get to shortly. Uh, But first off, what does the company do? Alkaline Water Co. Inc. is engaged in the business of distributing and marketing bottled alkaline water for retail consumers in different sizes under the brand name Alkaline uh, 88. And it's only operating right now geographically in the U.S. And the company sells its product to convenience stores, natural food product stores, large ethnic centers, and national retailers. What is driving the stock here? On August 28, 2019, the company announced that they had partnered with Centurion Foods to expand its CBD-infused product portfolio with the launch of CBD shots, tinctures, capsules, and powder packs. And with this partnership, Centuria will be the company's exclusive supplier of water-soluble phytocannabinoid-rich hemp oil. And of course, needless to say, uh, the CBD industry is gaining some interest due to the substance's health benefits, which is further bringing optimism to the stock. And on top of this, on August 8th, 2019, the company reported record operating results for Q1 2020. And these financial results are as follows. Uh, Revenue increased 28.8% to $10.15 million in Q1 2020. EBITDA was a loss of $4.73 million compared to a loss of $833,000 for the same quarter last year. And net loss was $0.12 per fully diluted share in Q1 2020 compared to a net loss of $0.04 in Q1 2019. So here you can see that revenue is increasing uh, quite rapidly, but profitability-wise, the company isn't doing so hot. And after the company released these financial results, uh, the CEO announced in the quarterly release that revenue growth guidance for the remainder of the company's 2020 fiscal year will remain strong. Uh, and this revenue guidance comes in uh, for the fiscal year at around 46 to $50 million, uh, which would be an increase of approximately 45% year over year. And uh, I do want to note that the CEO also said that this guidance figure going forward does not include any sales of its hemp-derived CBD-infused products. So uh, given the revenue growth, uh, or sorry, so given this, revenue growth may be even a little stronger, uh, which is definitely bringing some further optimism to the stock in that they will be able to increase revenues further. Now, looking at the valuation multiples, since the company's 12 trailing month uh, net income and EBITDA are negative, uh, I'm looking at the price to sales multiple here, which is approximately two times, uh, which doesn't appear to uh, you know put the price or put the company too too pricey, uh, but it is definitely at the higher range of the uh, acceptable uh, range there. Um, And looking at the balance sheet, the company is also levered with a debt to equity ratio of 0.43 and net cash position of $400,000. So there are definitely some positives behind the story, but in our opinion, it is still too early to invest in the company. Although it has been able to grow revenues rapidly, the company is yet to break into profitability and has little differentiation among competitors as it is essentially just a marketing play here. So some good news, but the company still has some hurdles ahead of it. So in conclusion, the stock has risen considerably over the last few weeks due to the agreement with Centuria, positive Q1 financial results, and fiscal 2020 guidance, allowing the company to claim the coveted status of our star of the week. 
Yeah, that's a good summary. I I I, I wonder though is I, have we seen recent negativity in the cannabis segment? Is it a good thing to announce that you're associated with CBD or cannabis anymore? But I guess for this company, it was over the past week. Um, I think you know this revenue growth has been tremendous in this story. You know, for it to meet our criteria and us to want to buy the stock, we need to see more significant profitability. Uh, there's some big players in the water segment, um, you know, I, and I think, as Brennan mentioned, it becomes, you know, a bit of a marketing exercise. I'm sure they will tell us that whatever is in their water is different from anybody else on the market but you know you you, you got to market that and as everybody yeah. else will also say exactly that's what i'm saying so like it becomes a marketing exercise maybe they do it very well but uh right now they're doing it without they're not doing it through internally generated cash flow so if they can get to that point i'd be more impressed if you're just able to continue to raise money over time and uh market with that raised capital and keep losing money in the end uh, unless you sell out to some other company, uh, you know, we don't invest based on a takeover, but, you know, it would be, it's a nice exit at points. But in, in this case, in, until the company is producing internal cash flow, uh, it's not going to mar- ma- ma- sorry, match our criteria. Yeah. And, and it's, this, this is kind of a learning point for, for listeners as well. A lot of times you're going to, you're going to encounter companies that are, that have a product and that company, whatever it is, whether it's cannabis or CBD infused beverage or uh, laser technology or whatever it is, the company is going to, is going to market that product and promote it as the next best thing, uh, that it's completely different than all the competitors, um, that it's going to result in just, um, rivers of cash flow coming into the company. And it's really difficult standing from the outside to determine whether or not that is truthful or not, whether or not that is that is realistic. So the best way you can do that is just to watch the um, the performance of that product or service in the market. And if customers are actually paying for it and you're seeing rapid revenue growth and they're able to actually drop uh, cash flow down to the bottom line and generate positive cash-based earnings that are growing as well, they're acquiring market share, um, then that is an indication that there is something special about the product. And some people will say, well, you know, if you wait till then, then it's too late. But the reality is, in, in, in our experience, it's actually not. You may have to pay a higher price, but you will be eliminating uh, a massive amount of risk. And if you're always going after these hot products um, that are highly promoted um, without really knowing if there's any type of, uh, you know, real uh, financial potential that it's going to come out of it in terms of revenue growth and cash flow growth, um, you're going to lose money on most of your investments. You know, you might actually get lucky on a few of them, but you're going to lose on most of them. So it's better to just let the market tell you how great this product or service is, as opposed to the company who are always going to say that it's great. Well, I would agree. And, you know, our next uh, our weekly dog is uh, your cautionary tale of potentially some products entering the market that uh, I I would say I guess drove the share price to some unsustainable levels. Uh, and when the sales actually came to fruition, they weren't what the market had been expecting, and the share price has plummeted since then. Um, I, there are weekly dog this week from our stars and dog segment. It's time for this week's dog. <laughs> is Eastwood Biomedical Canada, Inc., symbol EBM on the TSX Venture. Currently trades around $2.68. Its market cap 
is around 185 million. Now, its shares are down 10% this week and have been cut in half or down around 50% year to date in 2019. The stock is also down 68% from its highs in the 850 range just one year ago. What does the company do? Well, Eastwood markets and distributes natural health products in North America and Asia. The company is a licensed distributor of Elotin, the Elotin line of products, which includes formulations based on natural ingredients that are presented in tea and capsule formats. So Elotin products include natural remedies for certain metabolic disorders such as blood glucose disorders, hypertension and obesity, and certain and can be used as dietary supplements. To date, they have around 70 products licensed with Health Canada. Uh, the typical natural health products that you see, the echinaceas, the glucosamines, the St. John's wort, valerian root, aloe vera, all of those typical natural health products that you see. Now, what is driving the stock lower? Well, we don't see anything truly uh, company specific that's happened to uh, that's dropped the stock over the course of this year. Generally speaking, what we'd say is from a cash flow basis, given there is no cash flow and no near term path to significant cash flow, the company was trading at unrealistic and unsustainable valuations a year ago and at the start of this year. Now, Eastwood had a market cap one year ago at this time of just or just over a half a billion dollars. The company traded above $8 in the 850 range. At that time, the company had to release several press releases stating they essentially did not know of anything material that was driving the stock. Nothing was ever released that should have given rise to the half a billion dollar valuation for Eastwood at that time from our perspective. Today, the business produced sales in the last quarter of just 318,000 and lost 291,000. The market cap is still a hefty 185 million, despite being down 68% over the past year. The company has limited sales and negative cash flow. The positive here, I guess, is that the sales were up in the last quarter from 71,000 to that 318,000 mark we referenced above. But the revenue base, like I said, is very small. While the company calls itself a primarily a North American natural health food company, its Canadian sales uh, were just 13.2% of total sales in the last quarter, and U.S. sales accounted for even less at 10.7%. Sales to Asia provided the bulk of the business at 76% in the latest quarter. To be frank, Eastwood had some very large, well-run competitors in the natural health space, and with just 708000 in cash in the bank, to grow, it faces an uphill battle in North America. Its lack of profitability, sky-high valuations even after the drop based on negative cash flow ensure that Eastwood does not meet our minimum criteria for investment. The drop in the past week, however, and over the past year, make the company our dog of the week. An example of where the, the hype does not, uh, does not actually live up to reality. Yeah, I mean, on this one, like, I... <laughs> I looked through it. It come, came across our screens, and uh, you know the company was generating some very small, modest revenues this time last year. Then I looked at the share price, and I really couldn't square the two things. Uh, there wasn't anything. I don't even think the company had an or re or announced anything in terms of cannabis at that point. So you know I wasn't seeing hype in that <laughs> perspective. I'm not sure what drove the share price to 
give this company you know half a billion dollar market cap uh like i said in the last quarter they had about 300 just over 300,000 in sales you know it it's the the two things don't square off the fundamentals and the 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 business the cash flow which is negative doesn't square with the valuation so you know, it wouldn't be a company that we would be buying at present and one we'd actually avoid so that's going to close off our show for this week. I'd like to thank my co-host for hosting with me again this week. Uh, thank our listeners. Keep those questions coming in for our Your Stock, Our Take segment. We endeavor to answer those each week. Uh, we'll have details about our new DIY upcoming seminars next week. Brennan's going to bring those to us. Uh, I wish everybody out there profitable investing. Thank you. Profitable investing. Thanks.